Welcome to This Isn't About Me, a podcast that's not entirely about me. I'm your host, Leanne Velke, and in this podcast, I aim to have deep conversations with cool people I know. Each week, I bring you a new voice with a new story and new perspective to share. If you resonate with what you hear, make sure you hit subscribe and feel free to head on over to Instagram to follow me at Leanne Velke. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of This Isn't About Me podcast. And today I'm very, very excited to be joined by Jill Valentine. And um, we met at camp, right? <laughs> Summer camp for grownups. Um, well, now called Camp Tailwind. Uh, what? When? 2019, right? Because we we're supposed to go back in 2020 and then the world just shut itself down and that didn't happen. Um, But I'm so excited to reconnect with you, Jill. And thank you so much for being here today. Um, As I do with everybody, I'm just going to ask you real quick to introduce yourself and we'll see sort of like where the conversation goes. So thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And it was so awesome to meet you at camp and to see you again recently and yeah I'm super happy that we get to sit down and have an awesome chat yes. um so yeah I am the CEO and transformational travel and life purpose coach of Yugo Impact um it's a social enterprise and basically the whole mission of it is to help create profound personal change and social change so I run life coaching programs that leverage the power of travel and service to help my clients find clarity, confidence, and community to live their best lives and create the impact that they want to, while at the same time making a difference in the communities that we are serving. I love it so much. Uh, Very nice and short and concise. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... We've started to have this conversation, and then I said, wait until we can tell the world this conversation. But I would love to just start with your sort of background and like who you are and what you're passionate about, where you came from and all that, all the fun stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So I do get asked a lot, like, how did you become a transformational travel coach? And I love the title, by the way, just saying, like, what a fun title. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be that. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have always been a avid humanitarian ever since I was young. I have volunteered like thousands of hours for over 30 like plus organizations locally and internationally. And so not surprisingly, I ended up working in the nonprofit and charity world. Um, you know, some big charities in Canada, some small ones. It just didn't really feel like it was filling me up the way that I had hoped it would. I didn't feel as connected to the cause. Um, I didn't feel like I was reaching my potential, all of that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, long story short, I eventually ended up like leaving a contract that I was in and I wanted to go and bartend. And volunteer trying to find like the cause that was going to be like, light my soul on fire, 
and I was like oh my god then I'll go work for them because that's like that's clearly what's missing here and I ended up bartending <laughs> and volunteering um at actually the Casey um Casey House which is a aid hospice and I met a recreation therapist and I was like oh my gosh this is a job this sounds incredible and no time at all I was signed up to go back to school to become a certified recreation therapist I did that it was awesome after that everyone was like we're going off to find jobs and everything but I'd always had this calling to volunteer somewhere in Africa and I decided to go and do that. And I did that for a few months because I was like, before I start my big career, I'm going to go off and volunteer. And I had the best time. It was amazing. I came back. I did get a job. And it was in the disability sport world. I loved it. It was probably the first job I really felt like I was moving and shaking and making things happen. And I was really connecting in with people and the community and the work I was doing was awesome. Wow. But three years later, I was like, I feel like I could do with another change, a little adventure in my life. <laughs> Turns out I'm actually an adventurer, like legit. Um, <laughs> like I did a, like a assessment and they told me I'm an adventurer. <laughs> like, so oh, it makes so much sense. <laughs> totally. I had this calling to go on another adventure. And next thing you know, with the boy that I had recently met, we were heading off to Uganda to volunteer for a year. And in the disability sport world. So I was like, I'm going to go use my skills and do that. It was one of my most amazing years personally and professionally. I got engaged while we were there. Um, I ran the first National Disability Sports Summit. It was just an epic, epic year. And then at the end, we were like, all right, well, let's go back home and, you know, get married, start a family, do all the things. I came home to Toronto and I was like really depressed. Yeah. And like culture shock, probably almost totally. like going I back home. It was, it was a whole number of things. And I was like, wait, this is crazy. Like I'm getting married. I should be so excited. And I just felt like I couldn't go back to the nine to five world. I couldn't go back to like a certain mm -hmm. way of living anymore. And that's when I was like, I think I need to figure out a whole new life path. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I have like a BSc in psych. So I was like, oh, maybe therapy. My sister's a therapist, but it just didn't quite feel for me. Um, and so I was, my sister was like, what about life coaching? Like that feels more your energy, more your vibe. And I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Before you know it, I've signed up for a life coaching program, <laughs> getting certified. And at the end of it, I was, I've discovered so much about myself, like mm -hmm. holy cow. And so much of it had to do with my time abroad that I had spent in Uganda. Like I was discovering like, oh my gosh, what my values were and why I was unhappy in Toronto is that none of them existed here like I had no adventure I had no purpose I had no community like Oof. I had no sense of freedom yeah. and I was like well no wonder I'm miserable yeah so I was like I need to create my like I need to foster those values and create a life that like makes me happy here unless I'm going to go back and live in Uganda um and of course as you you know get into coaching everyone's like what's your niche who are you going to work with what are you going to do <laughs> I don't know um but I felt it had to do with service and giving back and again being the adventurer I was like you know what I'm gonna go to the Philippines and volunteer <laughs> for a month um because they had just been hit by typhoon Yolanda and I was like I'm gonna go and like talk to volunteers and see how maybe coaching can help them and so I spent a month volunteering rebuilding and helping with the recovery process over in the Philippines and interviewing volunteers and so many of them were having these like 
life-changing feelings and all sorts of stuff, but they literally didn't know how to process it, didn't know what was going on, weren't sure how they were going to go home after this like profound like experience of feeling such a deep sense of purpose. And I was like, oh my gosh, volunteering and life coaching need to go together for sure. Yeah. And so I decided that is what I was going to do. I was going to take life coaching, marry it with volunteer abroad experiences and create like uber transformational experiences for people to like create profound change in their lives while at the same time creating like change in a community that was um yeah that being said <laughs> a while in philippines literally after like a you know i was like out there with sledgehammer 40 degree heat like schlepping concrete around i discovered i was pregnant <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and yeah so i was like people were like oh my god are you gonna go home i was like what and just go be home like pregnant like i'm sure i can still volunteer <laughs> so I was like, I still have like three weeks left. So they, we moved me from the like hard manual labor. Smart. To a building site where we were building um, like short-term accommodations, like temporary housing using like coconut wood and nipa and basically building houses for people who had, you know, whose homes had been destroyed by the um by the typhoon and so I was like hammering nails sawing doing that kind of stuff so totally things that you can do while pregnant but it meant a slower start for my business I just was like well maybe I'm not going to go home and like rock a business immediately I'm going to go home and like ease into my business and so I met somebody who had a community they wanted to go and volunteer abroad and I was like I'm happy to coordinate that but I want to add in some life coaching and test that out and see how it goes um and so when my daughter was 10 months old, I left her at home, headed off to Belize and led my first transformational travel experience. And it was awesome. Oh my gosh. That yeah. is an incredible. What a cool story and crazy. Um, first of all, I just want to go all the way back really quickly and ask you, what is a recreational therapist? Is that what you called? You said you yeah. got certified. Yeah, so recreational therapist, um, we basically work to use recreation and leisure as an actual like tool to help people with their like rehabilitation process, with their um, health journey. So it can be used in, for a number of different like populations. So it'll be used for seniors. I did an internship for people with like acquired brain injuries and you know neurological degenerative diseases and you're kind of working alongside like occupational therapists and physiotherapists working on like the physical, emotional, you know, social um, goals, but you're using recreation as actually the form um, to do that. So cool. yeah, it's pretty cool. And so I got into the disability world because of that, because that whole idea of people with spinal cord injuries or cerebral palsy and using sport to like help them rediscover their lives help them you know get back to you know work or employment or just have an amazing new outlet that they didn't think they were going to you know now being potentially like a wheelchair user or having an amputation or whatever so yeah okay interesting yeah I like, <laughs> like you, you threw this word out there and first yeah. let's clarify what it is 
I was a psych major, so I feel like I probably should have learned these things back then, but that was a long time ago. So thank you yeah. for, <laughs> thank you no for educating problem. me. I'm always like, wait, tell me. Yeah, what you'll means. find them in a lot of like rehabilitation hospitals, addiction centers, like mm-hmm. they're, they're out there doing pretty awesome work. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and going almost all the way back to what you said in the beginning, I wrote down that I loved because I feel like oh I have like personally I also grew up volunteering a lot my dad was part of rotary and like the um the local like the chamber and there's always just sort of like we were out doing things a lot and I also think that's such a great way to grow up and raise kids too so I'm super passionate about generally being involved in like the community and having things I can bring my kids to because I think that helped me grow into a more like mindful person. Um, but in the beginning, you said a line that I loved <clears throat> that you said you were on a hunt to find the cause that lights your soul on fire. And I loved that. Um, and I think it speaks to me because after personally, after um, a kind of tumultuous experience with my rotor, my last rotary club where like, it kind of imploded and I like whatever people like we're losing their passion and and we lost our focus and I was president in the (laughs) I was president in 2020 became president that year of the club and I was like okay this is really cool and after that I just got really burnt out and now I'm sort of like I don't even know what I want like if, if I was going to like donate money or put stuff, money or resources to a cause, I'm like, I don't even know what cause I feel like lights my soul on fire anymore, just because I feel like I got a little bit burnt out in that volunteering. And I'm trying really hard right now to like get myself back to volunteering again and, and being passionate about it. But man, it kind of like dragged me through the fire a little bit. So sure. I love that. I just love that line. Um, Cause I love that that was an intentional, um, like an intentional goal you set out for to find for yourself. Yeah. And it's interesting. And some people just automatically know like something has happened in their lives, you know, maybe someone mm-hmm. in their family gets cancer and then all of a sudden they become like super passionate about fundraising or right. you know, whatever it is or they read something in the newspaper that just moves them, you know, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, I need to go and like help this cause. Um, other people like, like me, it's like all the causes, like it's, it's hard, right? Like my heart bleeds all the time. I'm constantly like reading stories and my heart goes out. Um, and interestingly, I, you know, I had worked for so many different charities and groups. And of course I'm always passionate. Like I care about people and humanity, but the one that ended up lighting my soul on fire was what I ended up actually doing in Uganda. And that was working with people with disabilities that were in developing nations. And I came to understand what it was almost like looking back, you know, when you kind of like, you don't really get it at the time, but now I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And years before that I had, um, at Casey House actually, I'd gone through an orientation and we did an activity called the flower of power. And it's like, Uh, literally there's a flower with each leaf or different like you know demographic questions like 
you know, um, what's your background, what's your education, um, what's your marital status, what's your, you know, sexuality, like all of those things, and you fill it in. And then they asked this really interesting question, which was, who, like, which of those demographics do you feel holds the control and power in this world and has, like, the voice and everything like that? I was like, oh, my gosh. And it was, like, the obvious and, like, it was, like, white men (laughs) between the ages of, like, 35 and 55 who were, like, born into wealth, who lived in urban settings of developed nations and were well-educated, like, basically those born with a silver spoon in their hands and are straight and, you know, generally, like, Christian, like, this certain demographic yeah for sure and I was just like and then they check in and they're like where do you fall you know compared to that and <laughs> let's be honest I fall somewhat close to that except that I'm like I, I was a born woman in like tons of money <laughs> and I, I'm a woman but generally I'm like I was born in Canada into a ton of general mm-hmm. privilege but years later I was in a village and there was this young girl with a disability and it just suddenly struck me I was like oh my gosh she is the like complete opposite of that you know man with the voice and the power in the world right like I was like this young girl just being born with a disability in a rural part of a developing nation where she's not going to get educated she lives in poverty like I was like just by being born she is born without a voice like globally she's born without power she's born without privilege opportunities like all of that and I was like oh my gosh it's so clear to me that these are the people that need support just to get some of the access to opportunities that other people in the world have. And I was just like, it is clear. This is like the group that I want to be supporting whatever way I can and sport, because that's, you know, my background in the recreation therapy stuff. I was like, I feel sport is a really powerful tool to do that. And that was literally like this, lights my soul on fire I was like I just it was like objectively so obvious that there are people in this world that are just born in the situations where they just do not have the opportunities and privilege of others and I'm like that just doesn't seem fair to me and I'm like yeah we need to work to fix that to give them more of a global voice to give them opportunities to make the world a more gentle and kind place for them um yeah so and that's like I just I'm like I some of the work I do is helping people to explore that for themselves, help them figure out who they want to, you know, spend time giving um, with or to, or, you know, who is it in the world that you feel is unjustly treated? Who in the world do you feel like your heart bleeds more than anything when you hear their story and you just say like, that is messed up and things have to change. So Mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Ooh. I get really excited by this stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm just letting that land because I can, yeah, I can feel your excitement and your clarity around that. And I think of course, like in my mind and hopefully in people who are listening's mind, I'm sort of like running through all those things too. And like, you know, thinking about that little flower and, and, and instances where I have felt those things. Um, for me, it's usually around like women's stuff. I was a women's studies minor and psych major. So, you know, (laughs) good times. Um, But it's like, I've yet to like find like the thing. And I guess what I'm hearing on my side is that I just like, I need to go out and like 
like meet some people and go into some scenarios and like situations and just like be in the world (laughs) so simple and so stupid I'm like that sounds so dumb (laughs) no but it is hard like it's it is hard and yes you can sit and like research and look at the newspapers see what like but it really is like if you're like it's women's stuff cool go out engage with women like go back and give in some women you know to some women's communities or whatever and then see which resonates see you know the stories that you listen to like that's kind of it the work that you do and what does like let your soul on fire it really is like my belief is like get out in the world and be and do and from that you will discover like there's only so much we can discover through sitting at home I mean I say go out do it and then come home and journal right like go out do it then come home and reflect and process and whatever but like the going out and just getting started and seeing where it leads you um because that's pretty much it like and then you're still doing good along your way, you know, yeah. until you really do find that thing. Um, and I do believe like there is, you know, one-off service sometimes that we can go be of service. And there are things that don't necessarily light my soul on fire, but if someone's like, I need volunteers, I need help. Cool to go do it. But I knew that in terms of me putting like the majority of my time and energy into something, I did want it to be something that like, filled my soul because that was going to mean a longer term commitment it was going to mean more passion more energy towards it rather than trying to squeeze in and volunteer in some capacity that didn't light me up or doesn't use my strengths and passion um you know I could do it for a while but after a while I'd be like okay I'm gonna move on now you know Mm -hmm. um which which has happened like I've had friends who have volunteered for places and they're just like oh I gotta volunteer I'm like what are you doing? Like, I know they need you, but I'm like, don't keep giving, giving. Cause then you do, you burn out, you become like uninterested and then you may stop volunteering altogether. Like it needs to be uh, symbiotic. You need to have like a win-win where you're getting filled and you're giving at the same time in terms of long-term, you know, mm-hmm. commitment yeah. to, to a cause. And I will say to that, like to that point, like every organization always needs volunteers, right? <laughs> like that need, like it's never going to go away. So if you are in like in a volunteer position where it's like, oh, but they need me. It's like, but everybody needs you. Quite right. literally everybody <laughs> needs you. So like, I don't yeah. know. Like, I feel like it's like, don't really feel bad for the fact that this one isn't lighting you up because literally every volunteer organization needs volunteers like that's yeah, the whole point there is there is so much <laughs> there are so infinite things. options <laughs> yeah and that is the whole thing like there's different approaches mine was like what lit my soul on fire but also objectively it made sense to me um you know I was like these people literally are less privileged and therefore it makes sense um there's a, a moral and moral and ethical philosopher who's a little bit controversial but by the name of Peter Singer And he talks about how like our moral obligation is to give like financially or whatever to causes that are literally saving lives. Mm -hmm. He's like, those are the ones we need to focus on first. Then we can do the warm and fuzzy ones later. Right. Like, and it's interesting. He's like Hmm. malaria nets will save lives. uh, Like mosquito nets will save lives. That's just a legit thing. He's like, so if you're going to donate, like that's a cause you should be donating to. He's like, you know, again, 
I have no problem. I'm, I love all organizations doing amazing things. But then he's like, then there's like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which it's like, you're just helping somebody. And I think it's an incredible organization. Don't get me wrong. But in his opinion, he's like, you should donate to the Mosquito Nets over that because this one saves lives. And so depending on who you are and whether it's like an emotional connection or if you really need to be like, I just want to save lives and do the like thing that's going to have the biggest bang for my buck. Like there's other ways to approach giving back and stuff that can be really methodical and sort of thought out as well. So different approaches for different people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've personally always felt like I like to know that I'm making a real impact. Like I've, that's why did I freeze? Something weird is going Briefly. on. <laughs> something weird is going on with my internet or something. Um, I've always sort of felt more passionately about either like smaller organizations or um, like local organizations because like there was, there's where we lived in Massachusetts, we were always like giving to our youth center in town. And first of all, the director was amazing, but um, you know that like, where when you're putting money into it there's a direct like response that comes out of that and we would like make at Christmas we made like little hot chocolate packets for the kids and like those went you know they go right to the kids and there's like that tangible immediate sort of thing we've sponsored kids for the summer camp like there's I love personally I prefer that sort of thing versus like the American Cancer Society, right? Where it's just like, you're just throwing money into to a, a, a good cause. And I know a lot of people who have benefited from those sorts of things. For me personally, I'm like, I would like, like, I want to know I'm making that impact and that you, you know that like th- that those funds are really needed or those, your volunteer hours are really needed. Um, and that's where it's funny, we just moved up to Vermont a couple of years ago. And I've, like I said, I've been in this sort of like trying to figure out, um, because at the moment I can't really give financially, but I know I can give of my time and my energy. So I'm like, where do I put that time and energy? And there's obviously a rotary club here, which is something I've always been passionate about. And, um, and then we have, (laughs) a strong um, alumni association in our town, which is really something I just love so much about this, our little town. And my son just started playing hockey. So there's obviously like the hockey board and, and I volunteered to make stickers for our hockey team for their, um, their names that they need for each game for the score sheet. And the mom was like, if you like doing this stuff, you could volunteer for the board. And I was like, quite honestly, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put my time right now. And personally, the hockey board is like, it's all like young parents. Like, yes, they're busy. Yes, they have a lot on their plates. No, they don't have a ton of time to give. But there's a lot of like young people really involved in that organization already. And I'm like, I don't think you need me here. Like, I'll make the stickers but I don't feel like this is like the best use of my time and my energy. Right. Whereas like I look at my alumni association um, in a town and it's like, that's a lot of aging people right now. <laughs> and I'm like, 
they need young energy, right? And they like that is an organization that could benefit from having some of the younger people come in and continue that because what happens when all the the older people age out or, you know, aren't here yeah. anymore, you know? Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's funny because I'm like, really, I'm like, where do I want to put that time and that energy and where are my resources best used, you know? I love that you mentioned that. And that is the thing. It's not black and white. It's not that simple. It's not just one factor to consider. It's a number of factors and it is like where do you feel it like you know there can be the logical you know pros and cons list and the you know um but then it is like where does your heart feel like it makes sense um but I love what you mentioned about the resources and I think that that's something that a lot of us need to to look at and consider like based on me my strengths my resources what I can offer where does it also make sense for me to to help out to make a difference um and a lot of people often think it's just money or just time volunteering. But it's also like maybe you have influence, like political clout or a, like a network of, you know, high wealth and mover shakers people that you could be leveraging them. So it's influence or it's, you know, advocacy. Maybe you have a voice and you really want to like use that. Maybe it is time, money. Like it, it could be a skill. Like what's fascinating to me is I often get like, lawyers and they'll be like I don't know I want to volunteer like what about a soup kitchen I was like for your hour of time please don't go and spend it in a soup kitchen because anybody can handle a ladle and ladle out food I'm like right. you want to give time give an hour of your lawyer fees <laughs> give mm-hmm. an hour of your legal brain to an organization in need so I'm like that's an amazing skill and sometimes they just don't want to do that because they want to do something very different or whatever but it is I'm like what are the skills the resources the expertise that you have that could make a great impact and I love that you said that you're like this organization doesn't really need me and this one does like that's significant you know where can you make the biggest difference I know for me you know I care and I do a lot of work in Uganda I've come to realize that my greatest skill set would not be starting my own NGO there and putting all sorts of time and energy and whatever and being like another you know Canadian trying to do good there what I do is I consult with small locally led NGOs to help them get up and running and I provide them capital to like yes. make things happen and so and I literally I'm like I don't want to be seen I'm like mm-hmm. you're the leader you need to go into your community and be seen as the leader you don't even need to tell anybody that behind you is like Canadian woman supporting you I'm like you be seen as the amazing leader because that's actually going to be the best um, and so it's recognizing what my skills are and what makes the most sense and where those skills can be best like leveraged and used so I love that you talk about that and I love that idea of local like I do local and I do international and yeah some people feel more tied to you know doing things at home they do like you said you want to see the people you want to like see the faces and whatever um it is totally I'm always like it is all about that personal journey and what you feel called to do what you're skilled to do what makes sense um I and just, all organizations need the people. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, all of them need the volunteers, yeah. whether they're local or international, right? Like it's, as long as you're like doing the thing, it That's actually it. doesn't really matter where, right? Um, the other thing I was going to say, you made me think that <clears throat> something that I kind of recognized also in my Rotary Club 
to piggyback on and to take it like just one step further with that lawyer example is the other thing for that lawyer to consider is who else is in the room within that organization. So yes, it's giving of your lawyer brain and maybe you don't really want to give of your, you know, your lawyer brain or that doesn't totally light you up, but who else is going to be in there that can help and provide you with support and resources too? And so like the stupid, obvious example I always go to, which is, I realize is probably very tired, but if you're an older lawyer, right, maybe there's like some young people in that organization that can help you jazz up your website or help you with social media or like you can also receive from that organization, even though maybe you're like, oh, God, I don't want to like turn my lawyer brain on for another hour. But you can also receive so much extra richness and, you know, further your own growth and development and your own skills and your own like breadth of knowledge um, and receive so much more in those rooms, even though you're kind of like giving the thing, maybe you're not super excited to give, but there's so much more you can receive too. I think I totally agree in the whole like receiving piece. I am such an advocate in people just being a force for good, going out and being of service because it enriches everybody. It enriches your life so hugely. And I think that's like the mentality. It's not always like, ah, look at me. I'm so amazing. I'm going to just go and give and give and give. It's like, I'm going to give and I'm going to get so, so much back in return. Um, I know when we go to like Tanzania and we interact with our local change maker there and the mamas that we work with, like we end up learning so much, becoming so enriched. Like we come away from that experience so full and wiser and all of these things. And so as much as like a lot of people are like, I'm going to go and give because I've got all the things. It's like, actually, you're going to give, but you're going to get a ton in return at the same time. Like, and I believe that in, in pretty much most giving, you know, situations, the amount that you can get back and that idea of like, I'm here and I'm going to give to this poor person down here. It's like, no, they're amazing. They're probably fabulous human beings as well, maybe in a crappy situation. Right. But I'm like there to be respected and loved and all the things. And it's like a partnership. It's like a beautiful exchange of energy when you're, you know, giving and receiving and they're giving and receiving. And it's like just bringing all of our resources together. So anyways, that's, yeah, I, I'm big on that. It's like so many people are like, I'm just going to give. It's like, yeah, you're going to give and you're going to receive at the same time for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you can't, right? It's like, it's intrinsically part of it. And, and I think like really just it, when you're sort of considering where you're going to put your energy, I think that's, I, I guess that's sort of like a little bit of what I was thinking is like, think about also, like, these are people you're going to spend a lot of time with. Like, what are, I'm not in this, this is probably going to sound terrible. It's not the wrong way, but like, if you're volunteering at the soup kitchen, are those the people you want to be spending your time with? Like the other volunteers and the the people that are coming, right? Like, is that, are you going to get the most out of that? Or is that what's going to really like light you up and lift you up? And are those relationships and partnerships and, and people that you 
are really like craving to be around? And if the answer is yes, then great. Like that, that is the place to go. But if you're like, I don't know, actually, maybe like, that's not who I'd want to hang out with. Like, I don't know, maybe that's not the right thing. Then I think it's just like looking at taking the time to like consider and look at who are the people in the organizations that you're going to give your time to? Because you are going to get to know them and you're going to become really close with them. You're going to receive a lot from them and you're going to give a lot to them. So there is, that's like, that's an important piece of this choosing as well. And if you're showing up in time, obviously, but even giving of money, like you could be, you could be on meetings or board, you know, board meetings or whatever, even if you're giving the money, we're not just, general I don't know I guess you could just like fill out a donation form online and like feel good about your life I don't know but <laughs> that's not yeah. super fulfilling for me personally yeah. well and it, it's like this is the thing I've always just been like you like you do you right like some people the social element does matter significantly other people they're like I am happy to cut a check like I'm yes. busy and and we whatever. need all those people by the that's way the, that's like exactly. they, they all matter <laughs> and you know this uh, I remember somebody once being like oh you know some people just want to write a check and that's not what they need I'm like actually like and it was like a children's charity I'm like actually that's more what they need like they, they do don't need, need that. some white savior coming and visiting the kids like that's I was like, why also do you think you visiting the kids is any more special than the caretakers that they have there every day that show that they love them? Like, it's there's so much to that, but it's like, do what you can, um, you know, and if it makes sense for you to donate money, awesome, donate money. If you can't and you want to give time instead, great, donate time. Like, whatever it is, I believe it's like, use your privilege and your power and your gifts and your resources just to do good in this world in whatever way make sense to you that's also like ethical sustainable and isn't actually damaging and that's something big that we do have to make sure you know good intentions aren't always enough like we do have to make sure that how we engage you know isn't actually causing more harm in the long run and that that, that happens hugely on the international development scale there's like a million stories about good intentions gone wrong and you know going into communities and thinking you're helping and literally going in and making the community worse off in the long run you know because we don't take the time to ask what they need we don't take the time to properly communicate we go in thinking we know everything um we go in and disrupt like their local flow by bringing in excess goods that you know that now aren't going to be sold figure out how to deal with yeah yeah on a lot of our trips um that we run people are like oh can we bring donations and i'm like let me actually ask one, what the community or organization needs. Um, and based on that, if it can be sourced locally, that actually makes way more sense than you running to the dollar store here, you know, spending a ton of money that's going to go to some headquarters and wherever um, versus getting money from people going down and then actually spending it in the local community, in the local stores. So you're actually helping the locals because if a school normally buys their school supplies, at the local place and then all of a sudden somebody comes down dumps a load of you know dollar store paraphernalia that per stationary store down the street is now kind of like oh great like our school that normally comes and buys from us isn't gonna you know come and purchase for us for like another two years and we just don't think about those oh kind my of God, like, yeah. long-term repercussions about the things that we do 
so I always say, sure, if somebody says like, hey, it's hard to source these things here, you know, we get a lot of requests for certain electronic devices or things that work better. And I'm like, awesome. Yes, source that. Bring a laptop. If you have an old laptop that you're going to, you know, bring a lap, that kind of stuff, but just that generic bringing of stuff and doing. So my big thing is always think about anything that you're going to do and be like, what's the repercussion after I leave? What's the repercussion several years down the road? Like what, how is my interaction with any group actually going to be of service or be of detriment in the long run? Oh my gosh, I love that so much. So many people are like, oh, I'm going to bring some sanitary napkins over for the women and da da da. And I'm like, that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But you're also going to introduce them to these like amazing, beautiful pads with wings and dry weave and whatever that they can (laughs) use for like a month and then they go back to the crap. Like, and I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm also like, is that the best thing to do like or is it to go and buy the local products again in the local community that they're used to or support you know innovative new reusable pads that yeah are i was gonna say that it's exactly the local community like yeah. there's just alternatives and sort of like how can i best be of service and not be of detriment to a community Oh my God. I love that so much. Cause I actually, I've never thought of that before. I've never volunteered internationally, obviously. Um, but I've never thought of that before. And that is such like a, a normal sort of stereotypical thing that I don't like, we don't think about, we don't think about that. Like that you're, you're actually sort of taking away from the local community. Totally. And doing that. Thing- Another thing a lot of people will do is they, they want to be the one to give to the kids. And I'm always like, okay, but that's basically creating this, like, oh, the white people always come and the white people <laughs> do the amazing stuff. And look at these amazing white people. Oh my and God, we're ridiculous. And so my thing is like, sure, if we want to make a donation to a school or whatever, donate it to the principal, donate it to the teacher who then can be seen as the local hero giving out this stuff they don't like that moment of you getting to you oh know my god meet santa claus and give the stuff and see like yes of course we wanted but that's about you that's actually not in the best interest of that community and that school and the general like you know um just the way that things are and so those are the kinds of things that i you know that we want to make sure we're doing when we're engaging. And that's what we do in our programs is we have these conversations about what does it really mean to be of service, to have a service leadership mindset? Um, What is true service? Again, I will donate money for, you know, when COVID was happening um, and there were communities, you know, people in Tanzania, Uganda that I'm connected with and people with disabilities were really struggling. And I was like, here's money. Like, yes, go get some food and and support. And I was like, please don't tell them that it came from some Canadian. Like, go, you go be your local hero. Like you go and, you know, show up. Like they don't need to know. Um, Because the whole thing is like raising local champions instead of like, anyways, there's all those kinds of. I love this conversation so much. Yeah. And that's, that's, my big thing is like, I, I think charity is really important, but I actually think one of the most powerful things we can do is actually create business and commerce relationships with places. So my big thing is like, how can we actually do business and actually empower local communities in need? So, you know, 
we go to visit these women at the Dare Women's Foundation. We we helped and physically built a women's shelter. But while mm-hmm. we're there, we went and purchased, you know, um, amazing products by the craftswomen there and everything. Like, it wasn't just like, here's some money because you're poor and I've got money. <laughs> it was like, no, let me buy things that you've made and let me have this, like, as a really respectful and, like, beautiful exchange. Um and I think the more that we can do business, like truly, if you had tons of money and you wanted to do good, another part of the world, go start a business somewhere. So you can hire, like, you know, go start a business in some country that, um, you know, needs more employment. Needs a business. Yeah. Like, all of that kind of stuff rather than like just donate it and everything, because then we create these structures that are all relying on charity all the time instead of like true empowerment and actually like, developing people and giving them real opportunities like jobs that they want and stuff um anyways yeah that's the kind of stuff that oh my god I love it (laughs) my brain is like I love this conversation so much um so (laughs) tell me about your business and like what you have created and sort of like how you run it um because I've heard you sprinkle it in but we haven't fully I don't think talked completely about what it is you actually do because before we started you said you're looking at doing these trips and you're pushing some off till next year so yeah so yeah I like I said I'm a transformational travel coach so I run a program that marries life coaching with a volunteer abroad experience so basically it's like a three-month coaching program and then right in the middle of it you go abroad on an international volunteer experience and I leverage the travel and the fact that you're away from home and away from your routine and out of your comfort zone, and just ripe to opportunities because travel is super powerful. I leverage all that to help you do the inner work and exploring and self-discovery and all of that kind of stuff. And the giving back piece, like when we give back, a lot of us haven't really been of service kind of in that way and we use it and we kind of, you know, tap into that. How are you feeling and what's going on for you and, and all of that. So Basically, it's a three-month journey, and we go away for a week or two in the middle to somewhere. So, for example, we've got Elevate Ecuador coming up. Um, I mean, I don't know when I say coming up now, but whenever you air this, <laughs> but we have it coming up. And it's, uh, you know, March to May. And then in April, we're going to go away and volunteer down in, in a town called Kanoa, a little fishing village on the coast, um, and give back for a week. And again, part of an amazing experience and you know for growth and it we kind of do like volunteer abroad journey within is kind of the thing and we keep our groups like intimate we cap them at 12 people and it's just this incredible experience to go away with people and really have a chance to like bond and connect really immerse yourselves in community and take the time for some inner journey um wherever you know you may be on that sort of path so that's what we do and then I was considering Peru for later this year, but with the political stuff going on, I was like, <laughs> maybe I'll push that into right 2024. Time. Yeah, just to, you know, consider everybody's um, well-being. And so, yeah, I'm running a Tanzania program called Courage Community Kilimanjaro in 2024, which will include a week of volunteering with Dare Women's Foundation and then a week of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Um it's epic. The people that go on that oh have like God. the most crazy transformation. <laughs> I bet. Come back like feeling so confident and clear. It's amazing. Um, then we're going to run a Peru program. So it'll be a week of volunteering with a, to build a um, 
a center for a women's weaving collective down in the Sacred Valley. And then we'll visit Machu Picchu, of course. And again, all part of a coaching program. And then I'm actually planning on running our first family program. So we talked about the whole kids starting them back, all of that stuff. Kiela was literally like in a baby carrier with me the very first time she volunteered. (laughs) Like, and she's been volunteering ever since, but I know it's so important and, you know, building empathy and, and helping kids understand being a global citizen and stuff. So I'm looking to run a program in Tanzania again with Dare Women's Foundation where families would come and there would still be coaching for the adults coaching for the kids, some family-focused stuff where kids can discover their values and find out what kind of change makers they want to be. And as a family, you can discuss, you know, what kind of community engagement you want to do when you get home and all of that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, Jill, I love this. Awesome, awesome volunteering, some awesome, like right in the community. Um, And then we'll safari. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. So that's uh, that I have lined up and I'm planning that probably for August of 2024. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with you and all of this. Now I already knew you were cool and that I loved you, but now I'm like, oh my God, I want to do all the things. Um, I love the family like option there. Um what a cool experience for kids um, or, and fa- I mean, families in general, but the kids in particular, what would be the age range for that? Cause obviously I'm like, Hmm, let me think about this for a second. Yeah. Um, so the age range, basically I was I'm, I, like, I have my daughter, so I'm kind of like, what age would make sense? <laughs> um, and I feel like she's just turned at an age where it really would, she'd be able to engage in a way that's um, really actually beneficial to her. her. You know, her mind's kind of in a place where she'd understand um, all of that. She'll remember it. So she's eight. So I kind of figured like eight and above in terms, I'm not planning on actually bringing her for the first one. Um, so that way I can totally like. Yeah, you need to like hold the space. All those things. <laughs> And not um, be a mom. Was, yeah, but I was thinking that age yeah. is is that sort of perfect age and up. Um, so yeah. yeah, like I think like she actually came with us to our Costa Rica program back in 2017 and she was two and a half and it was amazing. Oh I mean, yeah. I remember it and it was like, we've got little pictures of her with like a hammer and whatever. And she basically, we had a local nanny and she played like in the dirt, <laughs> not far from where we were doing our work and you know she would spend the days but it was amazing to have her there and to have this experience with her um of course she doesn't remember it so I'm like eight and above I feel would be you know they'd be able to talk about values they'd be able to dive in and do some of the the kind of coaching and self-exploration work and family exploration um and up and the reason we're doing this is because I get asked all the time do you do like families or do you take kids or whatever and I think it's such an incredible opportunity to let kids recognize especially nowadays how privileged they are yes gosh the last time we were in Tanzania we played dodgeball basically with a rolled up sock as a ball Um, and that is literally what the kids were playing with for the majority of the day and I just think like for kids here that have iPads and I don't even know Nintendo Switch like all of the things for them to go abroad and actually 
you know, one, put those away, (laughs) (laughs) but also to see, um, you know, what other parts of the world are like and to connect in with other communities and just have that kind of experience and that exposure and give a chance to like give back and do something and just also have great cultural engagement with, you know, a whole new culture, I think would be incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much. Cause I'm totally dealing with kids that are like, there's nothing to do here. It's so boring. And like, whatever, like they totally, and my kids really, they have some of those things, like they have iPods, each one of them. And my older son has a computer now. And so he plays, you know, Roblox or whatever, but, um, I mean, they are obviously still very privileged and I recognize that, but I know that they have no idea. Like we don't have a ton, but we do have a lot and they just have no idea. And I'm like, you guys just, you have no clue what is outside of this tiny little like bubble that you live in. So I feel like there's been a piece of me that sort of one is dying to travel with my older son and two really would love to like expose my kids to that. Also, my older one is the one who loves to volunteer. Um, I've brought him along for, you know, we rang bells for the Salvation Army for as one of our rotary things. And like, he's like Mr. Volunteer and it's like our little thing we do together. And it makes both of us really happy. Um, But I'm like, I feel like there's been a little voice in my head that's sort of been craving that for him like something like that just to like you know to bring him to a place that is less privileged and to just sort of open his eyes to that but I feel like yeah I one would I'm like I have no idea where to start so I'm so grateful to know you and to like know all of this about you and have this conversation and two there is totally that piece of like I don't just really want to like go hop on a plane to, you know, somewhere in Africa and just show up and be like, Hey, I'm here. Like, no, because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. cause again, like you don't know if any of those people actually want or need you there. Right. Like totally people have their own lives. They don't need me and my, you know, 10 year old to just come hop off a plane and be like, Hey, what's up? Exactly. And that's like, we do a lot of these different um things that help foster just a sense of like common understanding and you know realizing the commonness that we all share as humans um you know we've gone another like when we were in Nepal we were working with a women's collective of farmers and we just did a lot of story sharing as well and what was incredible is at the end these women were like wow we didn't know that like you people that live in like America and stuff like actually had problems like they literally were Mm -hmm. like they thought that like life was just all perfect but the stories that our women shared and them like they both shared like like, massive stories of heartache and you know really difficult things and it it was this beautiful sort of recognition that like no matter where we are in the world we all have these common like desires for connection and family and you know just prosperity and that we all struggle and have you know things happen like and it was this incredible thing and so yeah we we want to make sure that when we go it's this beautiful exchange it's not just us thinking we're bringing a whole bunch of stuff it's not just them thinking they're getting stuff like 
it's the whole like you know sharing of this incredible this experience of like people coming together nobody feeling you know inferior like just people coming together and sharing as humans we're all just humans as humans and just working you know in partnership and seeing where we can you know synergistically create opportunities whether it's for you know one group or the other or um and just yeah have this incredible kind of thing and that's the other big piece is I'm all about the like what happens after you know it's one thing to go abroad and have this experience and be like I gave once and that's what happens with a lot of international volunteers they literally like go on for the rest of their lives thinking like they spent one week giving back and that was like good for them that's it I'm done for life (laughs) (laughs) no like hopefully that was like you know the catalyst for you to think about how you can become you know, a lifelong change maker, a force for good in this world. And that's what I would hope to inspire within these families so they can have the conversation. How can we use our privilege and resources to continue to make a difference in our communities, in our family, in our schools, you know, in the world, whatever, nature, whatever makes sense um, for them and just starting those, those conversations. Yeah, I love that so much. I love that, um, the note too on like, we're all just humans. Like I've just been feeling that so much lately, especially, I don't know, sometime in like the last six months has really, I'm like, what don't people in the world understand about the fact that like, we have one world, (laughs) like we all live here together. Like we get the one and we're all on the same boat, really. Like, I just, I'm like, what like, why is war even a thing? Why is there, e- like, ego even a thing? Like, why are we even doing all this? Because it's, like, we're all we're all humans on the same ship at the end of the day. And it's, like, yeah. why are we doing this to each other? And I love that just, oh, like, that feeling and, like, and that connection and just recognizing that, yes, you're a human who happens to live a 12 hour plane ride away from me, but you're still just a human living on the same ship that we're all on trying to survive, doing the best you can. Like, oh, I just love that. I love that Absolutely. so much. And I, I love that you talk about it because we have like our triple change model, which is about changing yourself, changing your community and changing your world. And, and that's amazing. But what we also kind of fundamentally our foundation to the whole program is around three pillars of happiness and looking at what makes us and the world like a happier place and there's sense of purpose relationships and gratitude and I think that thing like the relationships and that sense of connection is so important and when we don't have that that's what creates war and that's what creates imbalance Mm -hmm. and that's what creates like distance and capitalism like so much um, you know, a friend of mine, that this guy, Mike, is, is writing about the importance of community and connection right now. And he literally is like global problems exist because of lack of, of connection. And so that's something else that we kind of get into on our um, in our curriculum is looking at our relationships and understanding that, like, the more we can feel a sense of connection to ourselves and then to others and the world and whatever, like, truly, the better the world will be, you know, like. I always say, like, happy people don't start wars. <laughs> You're, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I, I, I love like, that. Super yeah. happy, like, fulfilled people who are, like, deeply in love, loving their life. They're not, like, I need to go and start a war and get a whole bunch of people killed and take over borders. Like, 
they just don't. And right. so I really believe the happier we can be. And I, you know, looking at the things that make us happy, we all can like do that at home and all focus on like ourselves and our communities and creating more happiness and connection. The world would actually be a better place. Oh, I love it so much. I know community connection and collaboration are like my three guiding principles of my life and my soul. So I'm like, you're speaking right to me right now. Like, yeah. I love that. Oh man. All right. Been an hour. I told you these, this time goes by so freaking totally. fast. It's ridiculous, but oh, I love this so much. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience and your heart and um, your business with us. I'm so inspired right now. And please put me on that list for that family trip. I absolutely will. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, people can come join our mailing list on our website. Um, follow us on Instagram, like Facebook, all the places. Um, and to hear more like about those upcoming programs and things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll and I'll like put all the links in oh, all that yeah, yeah. information in so people can find you. Um, because wow, what an amazing, amazing organization you've started. And um, I feel like so many more people need to be doing this. I love this work so much. So um, thank you for being here. This is so fun. Um, and we'll we'll get we'll get the links so people can follow you because God, everybody needs to follow you. I feel oh like. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This has been so lovely to like catch up and chat about things that light my soul on fire. So. Yeah. And mine too. And I really needed that ignition back again. So thank you for relighting that fire within me a little bit. It's getting me thinking a lot. So thank awesome. you. Yay. All right. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for being here and um, we'll see you soon.